This is Room 64, a podcast about palliative care from Barman Health. I'm Dominic Black and I'm with Christine Brooks. And we're coming to the end of this series. And for this episode, we're talking to Jackie White and to Melanie Davis from the Barman Health Palliative Care Unit. And Jackie White is the Palliative Care Program Manager and Melanie Davies is the uh, A-Clinical Nurse Consultant. One of the things we want to talk to them about in this particular episode is what actually is palliative care again? We'll go over that, how it works, but most importantly, what we think it will look like in the future. What's their vision for the future? Okay, so Jackie, you're going to kick off? Yeah, I'll kick off. Um, I think in terms of, like, there's lots of elements to that question. Um, I think we need to have a much greater role in terms of working with our community, um, in terms of engaging everybody in the conversations around um, death and dying and end-of-life care. I don't think it's something that's the responsibility... or It's not something that should sit solely with a specialist palliative care service. I think it's actually something that the community should be invited and encouraged to, to be involved in. What does that look like? What is it, yeah. yeah. Like um, on the ground, what yeah, are we... What are, yeah. um, it looks like story time at the library so actually you know engaging with children working with schools to talk with you know primary school age kids secondary school age kids about what is death and dying what does it mean what does it feel like when when we lose somebody that's significant to us um you know it's about having fun as well with with um you know, talking to people about these these issues because it is it's the one thing we're all going to do at some point. Um, so you know, <laughs> it, is, it is it is the, the single great unifier. It is, it is the single great unifier. It's you know we have a one to one likelihood. So it's actually you know starting those conversations, whether it's through movies, through stories, through podcasts, through you know however we can actually engage with the with community around that. Um, it's a challenge. I mean, it's a challenge for anyone not to be preaching to the choir, right? Oh. The people who are already aware of palliative care because mm. they've come into contact with it at a time of need. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is hard, and I think you know, it's it's easy. Well, not easy, but it's it's always a bit easier to preach to the converted, or you know, <laughs> and and you know, we don't necessarily as community members. I think you know. Where obviously Mel and I are in that position where because we work in palliative care, we have a good understanding of it and we're comfortable talking about death and dying. So probably our families are a lot more comfortable than maybe other families would be talking about death and dying. But, you know, not everybody necessarily has that comfort level because it's not stuff that they've had to, had to think about or do before. So they come in to meet with us and often it's the first time that they've had somebody that they love who's dying. Um, so, you know, that opportunity to have developed any sort of literacy, I guess, around how do I manage that? How do I manage these emotions? Um, yeah, they haven't had that opportunity. So I think by doing that work with community and engaging with community, we actually support, we will end up supporting people better. So Mel, um, uh, what about you? What's yeah. your perspective on how you see the future of palliative care? Um, I think I'm one of those people that has really big dreams for things and I flap my wings really hard and try and get there. Um, fortunately, there are lots of people with the same mindset as, as me around developing how we look after 
our dying in the community. Um, and there's some really good role modelling going on around the world. Um, with the, so, so what, like, give us an example. Like, well, like the Compassionate Communities um, movement that is going on around the world. There's certainly a lot of work being done in the UK. And, and what, what, what is that? What, what is Compassionate Communities? Yeah, yeah. On the ground, it looks like communities who have the confidence, the knowledge and the support to be able to develop their own mechanisms and um, their own uh, sense of caring within their community and they can it can look like things like for example um, the gather my crew Mm. Um, so that's a, a locally built website that actually puts people in touch with people who can support them and it's really well done um so that engages community so if you're someone who's um who is ill or a loved one a loved one of someone who's ill you can connect through this Mm. service to other people in your community absolutely yep okay yeah so it's it's a way of saying you know i need to get my daughter to netball training at five o'clock on tuesday afternoon and it pings a message out there and the people within your little e-community there ping a message back and say yep joe's doing that one and we need some dinner tonight and we've got 15 lasagnas in the freezer so can it please not be lasagna you know but those sorts of things that are really practical good ways of creating a network within your community that's going to support you the one of the things i really like about that too is that it it allows people to support in the support people in the way that they feel comfortable supporting them Mm -hmm. yeah so how, how do you go about creating things like that here locally It's a good question. And I put that question actually out to some people who are already doing some great work in the community and said, you know, I'm not quite sure where to start. I've got these great ideas, but I don't know where to put them. And actually the advice that came back this morning, which I thought was fabulous, was you don't need to own it. And that's the whole Mm -hmm. idea of the compassionate community. It doesn't need to be Barwon Health run and driven. What needs to happen is you just need to start having conversations. So it might just be that we put out a notice and say, any interested people in the community, let's meet for coffee at this time and let's talk about what the gaps are in looking after our own in the community. How do you, have you done this before um, um, approaching schools, for instance? Because that's interesting, because that's like, I remember as a child going to my granny's wake and Mm. seeing... um, seeing her body and stuff and there was there was loads of kids there and it wasn't it wasn't a big deal it was kind of that's just what you did but it, it's interesting now that in some respects we're a lot more sensitive about that kind of thing than older generations were I, sensitive might not be the right word um afraid oversensitive overprotective i don't know how you kind of categorize it but and I think it's it's hard and it's certainly one of the things we've grappled with in terms of how do you engage with schools because I think you're absolutely right. The um, As a society, as a community, we've been socialised into thinking that death and dying is something that happens somewhere else. So if you could sum up in a couple of lines how you see the future of palliative care, where you'd like it to be. How would you like that to look? I think it'd be great to be a, not be a walking conversation stopper. I feel like I've been a walking conversation stopper my entire professional life. So to actually have people go, yeah, great. What a great thing that you do working in palliative care. You know, that must be a privilege. That would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. What, what do they do now? 
Um, it's the it literally is the way to stop a conversation. You know, somebody will come up to you at a you know uh, some sort of event and say, "Oh yeah, what do you do? Oh yeah, I'm the pal- I'm the program manager for the palliative care program," and they'll either go their faces fall and they don't know what to say, or they go, "Oh, that must be so sad," or gee, oh, you guys are angels. Trust me, we're not. (laughs) Um, Or they just literally turn heel and walk away. (laughs) So so I think that... Mel, you're agreeing, right? Oh, yeah, that you guys are angels. Oh, you're angels. I don't know how you do what you do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) we're not. (laughs) No. No. And we do what we do because we love doing it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, before moving to Australia, I lived in Seattle, and um, I used to listen to KEXP a lot, which is a um, sort of indie um, music station, or was at the time. And Prince died, but he didn't die. He passed. He passed. Everybody passed. Nobody actually said, Prince died. <laughs> you know, it sounds like I'm trivialising. I mean, they were, they're clearly, you know... Uh, they're just trying to be sensitive, but it does also point towards something about a, a slight reluctance to to mention the D word. The D word. The D word. The D word. Absolutely. Diet. Yeah. Diet. Diet. <laughs> oh, actually, that's another one. Yeah, yeah. There, there is that one. Yeah. Um, we... oh, like I, rem- I remember when my mum died, and um, I was I'm quite comfortable to say that you know my mum's died. And uh, a couple of people have sort of, when I've said that, have sort of gone, you know, given a shock. Cause so, well, you can't say that. You know, she's, you've lost your mum or your mum's passed. And it's like, no, she's, she's not lost. I know exactly where she is. And she hasn't passed anywhere as far as I'm concerned. She's died. So it's a, it is a, an interesting way that we, we, um, we deal with that stuff through the use of words that aren't necessarily relevant yeah. mm. Mm. And, and I'm sure I mean for the most part people are doing it because they're trying yeah. to not expose a yeah, yeah, sure. expose a wound in you or something mm-hmm. you know what I mean but um, but it is kind of funny yeah. Yeah. What, so what are the other euphemisms for dying so they pass, you passed on you um, oh you carked it you it. <laughs> croaked you, you croaked. Kicked, kicked the bucket, the bucket. Um, yeah yeah. I think passed and, and lost are the, are the two big euphemisms the most sensitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah gone absolutely. Gone to a better. Oh, you've gone to a better place. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> yeah. And I actually think you know when we think about what we were talking about before in terms of the way that community has in some ways been disengaged with the process of death and dying. The language is really reflective around that because it's it's yet another way that we keep it at arm's length. And, you know, like in thinking about children, how we exclude children from it, because children, you know, and certainly my own children, then think about, well, what, is, what does that mean? And, you know, and for, for many years we're trying to process that and, you know, a bit lost. How can you lose someone? That's really careless. It's, um, but I think it, it all ties into that idea of, you know, of almost like, I don't know if sanitising is the right word, but certainly, um, you know, um, yeah, creating those euphemisms and protections because as a community we're not comfortable with the concepts around of death and dying, mm-hmm. probably because we're all going to do it, you know, and for many of us it's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. It's scary for me. I mean, yeah. I, I, for some reason in the last <laughs> two or three years it's kind of come to preoccupy my thinking a lot more than it ever did, I, I, I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's just because of... 50 or something. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what it is. Really? It is. I think it's very much. You mean I'm not unique? <laughs> no. <laughs> Getting closer to that's becoming a, a consumer. I am. I am. <laughs> So that was great. That was Jackie White and Melanie Davis speaking to me and to Christine Brooks. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're future consumers. We're all future consumers. So thanks to them and to everybody from Barman Health. Christine, this has been a great experience doing this series. If we think about where we were when we started recording last October, when mm -hmm. I came to your office and you were talking about your mum and your experience with your mum, where are you now? Oh, look, where where am I? I'm... Um, I'm in a better place, I think, um, and I've I've had the opportunity to be focused on this on this process, and uh, I've learned a lot. I've learned probably learned a lot about myself, but also more importantly, I think we've we've added to to the conversation about palliative care, about death, and about dying. And I think if it can make even a, a slither of difference to the conversations that are going on in in families, with people, with communities about death and dying and the resource of palliative care um, will have done a great job, Dominic. <laughs> well, uh, if anybody needs more info about palliative care, uh, probably the best place to start is the Barwon Health website, barwonhealth.org.au. So we wanted to say thanks to several people, to Jen Walsh, who's the volunteer coordinator at the Barwon Health Palliative Care Unit, and also to Diane Johnston, who did an amazing job of transcribing all the interviews we did. Which it just She helped so much, and yeah. she's been a silent partner, if you like, yeah. just chipping away in the background. It's yeah. been terrific. Yeah. Thanks to them, and thanks to everybody else who just took the time to sit down and talk to us about death, dying, palliative care, and answer all our questions. Mm. So, yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. Should we go for a pint? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what a great idea.